Technologically speaking, memory is a measure of how much you can store on a computing device. Now, my new smartphone has 16 gigabytes. I'm beginning to think that's more than I've got. <laughs> now, memory is an amazing thing. Without it, more than computers wouldn't work. We wouldn't work. Memory is what enables us to store information, to process it, and then build upon it. Without it, life as we know it would be impossible. Now, obviously, our memory didn't come from the Silicon Valley. It came from our Creator. When He made us in His image, He created us with a memory. He made it possible for us to remember. He gave us an organic computer that cannot be equaled by a mechanical device. But just as computers crash, humans forget. There are times when our memory fails. Times when we need to retrieve things that have been lost, update our files, and get everything working again. Now, I'm not sure what a refresh button does on a computer. But I know there are times when my memory needs to be refreshed. And thankfully, Jesus knew it as well. That's why he instituted the Lord's Supper. He knew that we would need to be reminded at least weekly of what he did for us on the cross. He knew the apostles would need help remembering all that he had done and taught so they could pass it on to us. That's why he told them that he would send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, to bring to their remembrance all he had told them. And he knew we would need help remembering all that the prophets and apostles told us, and how it was to affect us. So he gave us pastors and teachers to not only teach us, but to keep the teaching fresh in our minds. To be involved in a ministry of reminding. Now when Paul left Titus in Crete, he not only told him to teach sound doctrine, to speak, exhort, and reprove with all authority, but to also remind the believers how to live, how they used to live, and how they were changed. We, too, need to be reminded of such regularly if we are to adorn the doctrine of God and honor the Word of God. And I'm certain Paul would tell pastors and teachers today, remind them how to live. The third chapter of Titus. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. 
Now, what Paul told Titus to remind the believers in Crete was obviously something they had heard before. Something they needed to hear. Especially, they needed to be reminded of of the need to be subject to authority because Cretans weren't known for their submissive spirit. They were very rebellious by nature, known for being very hard to govern. And even those who had become Christians needed to be reminded to willingly submit to their rulers, to those in positions of authority over them, be they Roman governors or local officials. You know, submission never comes easy in a culture that prides itself on independence and the rights of individuals. But those who have surrendered to the Lordship of Christ are commanded to be in subjection to rulers and authorities, even those they don't like, even the ones they did not vote for, even the bad ones. Why? Because those in authority are there by God's design. And believers must respect the way God has ordered society. Paul made that very clear to the Romans while the infamous Nero was on the throne. In Romans 13, verses 1 and 2, we read, Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Submission is key to our relationship with God and with others. And as Christians, we are called to live lives of submissive obedience. We're told numerous times in Scripture to obey those in authority over us, whether they're in government, the workplace, the home, or the church. Now, we we know that. But like the Cretans, we need to be reminded of it often. Because there's something in our nature that continually rebels against submission. We need reminders. Because it's hard. We also need to be reminded what we've been created for. That we've been created for good works. Writing in Ephesians, Paul said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, as Paul told Titus, we need to be kept ready. For every good deed. We need to be reminded of the need to always be looking for opportunities to put our faith into practice. Because as James noted, we must prove ourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. We must not only do good things, we must speak good things especially as it relates to those who are called upon to influence for Christ, which, of course, includes everyone. 
We therefore need to be reminded to malign no one, to speak evil of no one. No one. The word means to blaspheme. And it here relates to speaking evil of people, not God. We need to be reminded to keep our tongues under control, for as James also noted, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, that man's religion is worthless. Is your tongue bridled? And you know, if we'll keep our tongues under control, there is less a chance that we will be contentious, always looking for a fight or an argument. Paul's already noted that bond slaves are not to be argumentative. Now he says we all need to be reminded to be uncontentious, to be gentle, showing every consideration to everyone. The word gentle means to be fair, forbearing, giving the other guy a break, sensitive to their needs, careful of their feelings. Showing all consideration can also be translated showing all meekness. Now, we generally equate meekness with weakness, but the Greeks didn't think of it that way. They used the word to describe a spirited horse that allowed itself to be kept under control. We need to make certain that we are kept under control when dealing with people. And we understand that. We realize that. We know that we should be considerate of others and respect those in positions of authority over us. But it's not always easy. People can get on our nerves. They can say and do the stupidest things. The most annoying things. They can even be downright hateful. So we need not only to be reminded how to treat them, we also need to be reminded that we were once like them. And that's exactly what Paul tells Titus to do next. Verse 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. We can be forbearing of others if we will remember that we were once like them. And notice, Paul does say we, not you. He includes himself among those who were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved, and even hateful. And at one point, we all were foolish without understanding. We didn't know the ways of God. And what little we did know, we didn't do. We were disobedient. We rebelled against God's authority and did what we wanted to do. Now, in our defense, we were deceived. We'd been led to believe that if we were going to get anything out of life, we would have to just take it. And so we set out to satisfy our lusts and desires, only to find ourselves enslaved 
to them, enslaved to a master that would never satisfy. The more we had, the more we wanted. And the more we resented those who appeared to have what we didn't have. So we became envious. We felt slighted. And it's a very short step from envy to malice, to wanting to cause pain and suffering in the lives of those we feel have caused pain and suffering in ours. Without realizing it, we became hateful. We started hating others for what they had and what we thought they had done to us. Now, I have to admit, I sometimes chafe against inclusive passages that say we're all like that. You know, I think I've shared before that years ago when I went out to uh, uh, the Promise Keepers rally, there were a million men on the, the mall at uh, Washington, D.C., and the speaker was, was telling every man there that he was a, a horrible father horrible husband, and he wanted every man to get down in the dust and repent. And I sat there thinking, no, I'm not. <laughs> and I got a little annoyed, and actually I said, I'm out of here. And I left. So when I read passages that are so inclusive, something within me says, well, I don't know. I didn't know if I went that far. And we may not have gone that far. We may not have gone that far. You know, if the love of Christ was introduced to you at a very young age, you may have avoided sinking into the extreme depths of sin. And that's what we want for our children, is it not? But we have all sinned. And we've done things that make us hard to love. All of us have done that. And we need we may not view ourselves as Paul viewed himself as the foremost of all sinners, but remembering what we were like before we really came to know Jesus will help us show every consideration to all men. And remembering how we were changed will keep us from writing off those who yet need to be changed. Verses 4 through 7. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior that being justified by His grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We were once foolish and disobedient and deceived. We were enslaved, at times spiteful, envious, maybe even hateful. But God did something to change all that. Because of His kindness and His love for us, for all mankind, He intervened. 
God appeared as Savior, not as judge. He appeared as Savior and saved us from ourselves and from the consequences, the temporary consequences, the temporal consequences of our lifestyle. And He didn't do it because we deserved it. It wasn't because we had disciplined ourselves into being good, because we had started filling our lives with righteous deeds. No, no. We did nothing to deserve His mercy. While we were yet, what? Sinners. Christ died for us. We need to remember that when we start putting conditions on our acceptance of others and our willingness to submit to them or to show consideration to them. God stepped in and loved us when we were far from lovable. And rather than insisting we clean up ourselves, He cleansed us. He gave us a new start in life. He made possible our regeneration. He gave us a new life by cleansing us from our sins, and then He poured out His Spirit to keep us clean. He sent His Spirit to direct us through His Word and to actually live within us, to empower us and stimulate us into action. That is how we were changed, and that's how we stay changed. It's God at work in our lives. So obviously, if people don't have God at work in their lives, they're not going to be very pleasant people. They're going to be spiteful, envious, and hateful, like we were. Sin is going to dominate their lives They're going to be enslaved to it like we were before we were justified by His grace. Before He forgave us and made us just as if we had never sinned, at least in His eyes. Before He made us heirs of eternal life, giving us hope, something beyond this life to keep everything in perspective, to give us the motivation to be subject to authorities, to yield to others, to be ready for every good deed. We can be uncontained and gentle and considerate of others if we can just remember how God has been and continues to be with us. So we need reminders. We need pastors and teachers who will commit themselves to a ministry of reminding. In fact, we all need to be involved in a mutual ministry of reminding because we all too soon forget what's been done for us and why people are the way they are and how we are to treat them in spite of themselves. We've accepted the call to be living for Jesus. 
we need to be reminded what that means and how it was made possible so we can do it every day. Are you living for Jesus? A life that is true? If not, remember what He's done for you and what He wants. And then, with the strength He provides, as they say, what? Just do it. <laughs>